welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. I am your host, Danny Katz. I am an author, journalist, and a quantum languaging coach and consultant. What that means is that I teach people how language programs consciousness, how language programs reality at large, and how to transform reality and evolve our consciousness with language. I've also been known to cultivate and share an opinion or two or 12 about culture and consciousness and how they are evolving, devolving, and being manipulated by the powers that were. Here at Word Up, we are devoted to fostering critical thinking while supporting you in becoming your most authentic, empowered, liberated, realized, amazing version of yourself. Our every show aims to expand your consciousness, raise your frequency, sharpen your critical thinking skills, and make you giggle. (laughs) And think. Given the radical uptick in censorship over the past few years, combined with the complete co-opting slash decimation of my own personal industry, journalism, I started Word Up to have a free speech-friendly platform in which to engage exploratory, solutions-based conversations with visionaries, mystics, original thinkers, and rebel badasses who are helping to make the world more wonderful. The first half of my interviews run between 30 to 90 minutes and are always posted here for free public listening. The second halves are reserved for paid supporters on my Patreon and my Locals platforms, where for as little as $5 a month, you can access all of my second half conversations along with oodles of other bonus content and opportunities to drop in with me, to drop in with our High Vibe tribe, and lots of other awesome things. In addition to interviews, Word Up also features quantum languaging upgrades, planetary service announcements, and propaganda analysis, which I call Spot the Propaganda. Thank you so much for tuning in and for sharing your sacred attention with me and our high vibe tribe of change makers. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you can stay abreast of our every episode. Thank you for also clicking the like button, for sharing far and wide, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As well, if you are gleaning any value whatsoever from these shows, consider supporting me on Locals and or Patreon. And as you are wanting to learn more about my quantum languaging coaching and consulting services or nab copies of my books, find me on dannycats.com as well as on quantumlanguaging.com. Okay, I think that's it for our housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Greetings, superstars. Welcome back to Word Up with Danny Katz. Today, I am joined by visual artiste painter extraordinaire, Lauren Manticon. Lauren is a dear friend of mine, and today's conversation was inspired by our mutual concurrent experiences of creating big giant pieces for Lauren. It's her latest body of work for me. It's my latest book, The Language of Betterarchy, on sale now. <laughs> Stay tuned for more details. Um, and what it was like to go through such deep, intense creative processes without the support 
of our creative communities that we had been used to because everyone's gone a little nuts the past few years. Before we dive into today's episode, I am reminding you to click that subscribe button, to like, to share, to comment. Also letting you know if you have not yet purchased a copy of my latest book, The Language of Betterarchy, a blueprint for uniting against tyranny with a foreword by Dr. David Martin, um, you want to go grab yourself copies immediately, not just for yourself, but for everyone you know and love. The book is available in print, in ebook, as well as in audiobook. I am the one who narrated the audiobook, so if you prefer to listen instead of reading with your eyes, be sure to meander your way on over to Audible while also ordering yourself a print copy because the illustrations and the footnotes did not make it into the audiobook and you definitely don't want to miss those. Um, also reminding you to sign up for my newsletter, dannycats.com, big changes in the works, and it's the best way to ensure that we are keeping in touch given all the big tech fuckery. You can sign up at either dannycats.com or quantumlanguaging.com. You will get a free PDF, five quantum languaging hacks for instant empowerment, super awesome superhero tools, and that does it for housekeeping. Buckle up and prepare to enjoy my conversation with Lauren Monticon. Pretty good. Um, well, is it? Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> Learning to control the nervous system. It's been it's been the wild ride. You know, you it's interesting. Well, ever since the gene keys, you know, and and starting, I feel like I I'm being shown by the universe of, of ways to rise to the occasion or even ways that I hide, which you, which you would know, like the shadow, our shadows are, can be so tricky, can be so tricky. I mean, I've started looking at um, Paul Levy's work again of Watiko and how we're in like a mass psychosis of our shadows. And until we're all able to look at our shadows, we're just almost living a lie whenever we blame them out there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So he wrote this great article called Artists as Healers of the World. And I keep going back to it and keep going back to it because over the centuries, it, it's usually artists that can speak their minds and um, are the brave ones in many ways. And it, that can be through dance, that can be through music, you know, any kind of artistic medium. And uh, just to be brave, that's the word that keeps coming up, bravery. Yeah, anyway, that's, that's how I'm doing. Oh, well, I love that as an intro because I'm wondering like, how does that line up with your experience of your own artist community in the face of the past few years? Have they been, this courageous as I don't, I don't know if this sounds it sounds um I mean this is going to a metaphysical realm this is this is going to my beliefs in spirituality um 
because I was thinking about this. There's always been a little catch, you know, the Western society, academia. What I'm realizing with my own eyes is, is there's always been a different agenda in many ways. It's probably been there since the 1950s. I don't know, maybe my grandparents went to Brown University. I'm sure there was some kind of indoctrination then as well. But I can remember my interest in spirituality at a very young age and studying what is reincarnation and who is Edgar Casey and what is this that um, that I was always in graduate school starting to talk about like spirituality came first, making art came second. So I would talk about orb balls and, and how things are speeding up and that we can capture spirits in our photographs. And I can remember some people saying, well, don't talk about that. But what's really interesting is if we go to Rudolf Steiner, Theosophy, um, The Spiritual and Art, which was a big show that came out in LA in like the late 70s, the transcendental movement that was actually started in New Mexico, Ralph Waldo Emerson, the poet, all these artists, even like Georgie O'Keefe, were influenced by this spirituality, but it was just cut off somewhere, I think, during minimalism. Um, Andy Warhol, um, conceptualism, postmodernism, where we started appropriating our own selves and the dialogue of spirituality started to be cut off. Now, I could always champion it. I could talk about it with my art colleagues because we could talk about philosophy and, and Madame Bugalovsky. Is that how I say her name? Bugalovsky. We could talk about theosophy and and keep it what at an intellectual bent and like metaphysics of quantum physics and isn't this interesting and what's going on but now there's been a there's been a definite split um and that's where i get to how paul levy talks about it so well of a mind virus that has taken over the world called watiko which is basically a native american term which is we are infiltrated with the spirit and don't even really realize it till we realize the evil inside ourselves. So what started to happen as an artist and for me in my consciousness, I, I was a newbie to, to really waking up at a whole new level when COVID happened, you know, that flip of, I always thought maybe I was on the on on the side of the good of history, and uh, I think I saw it so well when I saw a clip just the other day of um, Hillary Clinton was interviewed on CNN, and she actually used this sentence. You might have heard it. Well, we might actually have to have a deprogramming she used those words, deprogramming of Trump followers. And what happened to freedom of speech is really what I'm getting at. What happened if you don't follow this certain narrative, a mass psychosis, and all of a sudden you are labeled fill in the blank? 
that you are ousted out of even an art community. So what I'm seeing with my colleagues, I used to be in Portland, Oregon for many, many years, is the art, our art colleagues following suit with, well, this is politically correct and that is not politically correct. This is, this is the way we need to behave. This is, this is the way we don't behave. And it, and it has unfortunately been played out in a political arena, especially in the United States of Trump versus we're on the right side. We're the liberals. We're the ones that, that have free speech, but you might need deprogramming if you actually like Trump because what did, what did Hillary say? Well, you, it's so insidious. It was, well, who knows about them? Maybe they don't like blacks. Maybe, maybe they don't like transsexuals. Maybe they, obviously they want to have their own free speech. It was just so blatant. That was the piece that got me was like, they, they think that they should have free speech and the freedom to do what they want and make their own choices. And like, of course the deprogramming piece upset me as well, but how like, there's not really as much press about that part. And I am noticing more and more um, Democrat uh, officials, including our governor here in New Mexico saying like, well, we limit speech. It's like, no, we don't. Like they're trying to normalize that, which I, and that's the piece for me. And you're a visual artist. I, I more use words, but like, I have no tolerance for people who think censorship is okay especially when I'm dealing with other writers and other journalists. Like it's just, I there's some of these conversations in the past few years, what I've learned to hold my tongue and agree to disagree. I won't do that when it comes to censorship. I will lose it every time. I'm not, I'm not really understanding how it, how it's going to play out in a visual realm. I mean, yes, we've always had political narratives in the making of art I mean, I've o I'm always interested in what I, and still am even at another degree of higher consciousness. And if we're evolving and I'm wanting to really provoke an emotion, you know, I think of art as the technical expertise adequate enough to produce an emotional impact. Ooh. So that's gonna be hit and miss. I just got a chill. Is that your definition? It's not, it's okay. not. And um, I was waiting for you to ask me because it comes from it comes from um, a controversial figure, um, L. Ron Hubbard. Okay, very controversial. very controversial figure. But I've always thought that that was spot on because you don't need all this technique, and you don't just splatter out your emotions. I mean, that's fine. That's art therapy, but there's a balance just yeah. like just like this life there's a balance and and we can't have a dialogue one way or the other if i came out and i taught a workshop here in my studio um last month and i i i was been pretty emotional about feeling stifled feeling stifled of where the world is going and how people can't see something right in front of their face i mean they're okay with, with deprogramming or taking away certain speech 
And what I always want to say is until you're saying something that the powers that be don't agree with, then it's going to be turned on you. So I am going to fight with this till the bitter end. I'm going to put my boots on. This is something that people die for. I mean, once you take that away as an artist, and I was trying to explain in this workshop that I just really felt censorship has gotten so out of hand and that we are silencing the wrong people. We are, comedians do it best as an art form. They present one idea, they present another, they find humor. But if the wrong thing is said that isn't with a certain agreed upon narrative, they are being just ousted. And I started to cry and everyone's like, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And, and then, you know, and down the line, 20 minutes later, that Trump needs to be censored. And I'm like, you are missing the point. Nobody should be censored. Oh, but his hate speech. I'm like, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a way anymore. And as I talk more about my work and, and trying to connect to something that can't be seen, but can be felt something at a higher vibration. I can't go along with that anymore because it, the only way forward is to somehow say, I'm not going to hate anyone. I can't even hate Hillary Clinton because she's probably just a puppet and of some sort, you know, there's other hires that be, but they're, but the evil of the world exists and um, it's not out there. It's in us. We created this. We created this, right? A hundred percent. And it's, it's not until we take responsibility for even our micro responsibility that anything's going to shift. And I appreciate you bringing up the hate speech around Trump because Back in LA, it was like similar to you. I have very strong spiritual leanings and very strong artistic leanings. In LA, it was like, well, the spiritual people live on the West side, the artists live on the East side. And I was always a little too like punk rock and harsh for the spiritual crew, but I was also too spiritual for the artists on the East side. So I just kind of had a foot in both and didn't really belong in either. And, but I was really involved in my dance community. Um, and it, you know, I would take classes and I performed and did shows, you know, like it was a whole thing. And it was around the whole Trump stuff when he got elected and people were flipping out about hate speech, but they had no problem calling him racist and calling Trump supporters idiots. And I was like, but that's hate speech. Like you are speaking hate when you're demonizing these people. And I, that was my first experience of being rejected from my dance community um, because it wasn't okay that I was saying that. And I was like, look, I'm a word witch. Like I'm working with the frequencies of language and I can tell you calling people racist and stupid and whatever is just as bad as like these N words. And there was like, that was my first experience of like, I'm not really as welcome here as I used to be because of this opinion. Yeah. I think, I think for me, I really started seeing it during COVID like to have a different opinion of a drug that hasn't been tested and, and this and that, and, and really holding to my own body and my sovereignty that I, I was just shocked. I mean, and I always got it more in a very subtle way. I mean, I taught, I taught my first art workshop at 21 in the back of a new age bookstore in Southern California. 
you know? And so I've always was labeled like new age. And basically a hundred years from now, when we're going through art history books, new ageism is going to be the umbrella of entire generations, you know, just worded a little differently. So I'm not, I'm not sure what the antidote is. I just know that I feel so outcast there. And there are artists out there that I know feel exactly like I do. And just some of them are very quiet and some of them aren't so quiet. And it's just, I'm sad. Like there's a deep grief, Danny, just a deep internal churning that, that as, as I get excited about the evolution and where it can go, I don't have the supportive umbrella of an art community, but I'm sure in every sector, everybody's feeling that slice. It's interesting because we're all feeling that slice and I'm still awaiting that moment where we come together to to heal that rift and to support one another in that way. And I know what part of what inspired this conversation was, you know, me sharing with you, this is the first book that I've written without the support of my community. And this also took me the longest of any book that I've written. And it was so painful to not have my writer friends anymore to just flesh ideas out with to talk me through the dark side and it's not and even with that it wasn't like this harsh some of them were like you're an alt-right nazi we hate you but there are also some who are like pretending that it's fine they just don't want to talk to me anymore you know and the couple that i've confronted like did something happen like why haven't we, t- I just don't have time anymore, but I wish you well. And it's it's like, they don't even have the courtesy to say, I can't be your friend because of my indoctrination. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to know your experience in terms of losing the art community and what it's like in terms of just doing your work. Well, I've been pretty isolated um, lately. I have colleagues um, out of Portland, Oregon, and lot, some have moved to Los Angeles and and then some that have gotten the Guggenheim or, or been in the Whitney Biennial in New York. And they're all, not all, I can't say that because everyone's an individual, but many that I were very close to are making work about transgenderism, no matter where they fall in the line, which is fine, but we need to you know support this. And there's no other way, there's just no other way to think. It's like a box or an acorn that's just, that's imploding on itself. Right. That, that's a way of looking at it. And I'm over here and a few conversations I've tried to open up. It's like, this is my own stuff. So I don't want to project too much, but I feel like they're just like, okay, freak. Like you definitely are on your own trajectory. And, and I had pulled out of some galleries that represented me right before COVID. And quite frankly, I went through, a, I'm still coming out of it, possibly a very insular period. I haven't, I have the most work surrounding me than I've had in a very long time because it's not out doing shows. And, and now even where I'm going to show or where I'm going to choose, if, if there's that narrative and I'm walking in and it's all woke, well, 
that's not going to align with what it is that I'm, I'm talking about of higher consciousness and hate speech and how are we going to elevate? And yes, I might be painting abstract, but, but they are transmissions and they are about this awakening that is starting to happen on, on a grand scale. And it gets played out as little earthlings with these politics. And as we rise above it, it, it should be a larger conversation. And I want to have the support of who's ever representing me to be able to go there freely. I'm curious to know what is it like as an artist? Cause there's like, you're in your studio, you're having your relationship with the painting, you're, you know, moving whatever expression onto the canvas. Now that you're not showing as much as you were, like, what are you missing? Like, what is it from the showing experience? What does that give an artist? Well, there's the ego and I believe there's always a healthy ego. Um, I've also been going through a, a, a deep, dark, personal dismantling of my ego. So I don't know what it looks like. It's like I'm in the crystalline process. I haven't, I haven't butterflied out. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm not in that space completely uh, blossoming out. Um, but I do wonder if part of me is hiding. And what I mean by hiding is I'm just not out there. It, it doesn't feed me to go to these art openings. It feels like shallow conversation. Not that there aren't lovely artists. I do. I do really well one-on-one, -on -one, you know, um, but there has been, there has been, um, we keep the conversation in my teaching practice. You know, when people come through the studio it, it, it we, we don't talk about world events anymore because it's just, it's benign to me. Like this, this isn't where I want to lead a conversation. And I'm, I'm an art teacher, but I'm also that fine line of higher consciousness and spirituality and keeping presence and being still and listening to your internal voice. And this is where the crutch comes in. If you, if we're learning how to do that, but we're still in the realm of this higher voice of believing in the lie, then where does that take us? I don't have the answer. Yeah, for me, it's like, and it is egoic, I guess, but like I miss being able to facilitate larger collective conversations, you know? So when I wrote for the LA Weekly, I would write provocative articles. And then for the ensuing week, people were excited to talk to me about them, but also to talk to themselves about them. And I used to have a column here at the Santa Fe Reporter and um, same thing. It was like, well, you know, when they, banned nudity at 10,000 waves. I got to write a cover story about that. And it like facilitated some interesting conversations about like, well, why are they topless? Like why are women sexualized, but men aren't. And so I know there's a part of me that misses um, facilitating those conversations and also participating in those conversations. And it's odd to me how homogenized artists have become in their thinking. Like That's the word there's, there it is. Milk toast, milk it's, down. I mean, even the bookstores here, 
there are a couple bookstores that I reached out after my I put out my last book, my propaganda book, and I was like, hey, I'm a local writer. I just finished a new book. And they were so warm and friendly. Bring it in. We're so excited. And then two of the three bookstores, when I called to see, you know, do you want to carry my book? No, pick it up immediately. All of a sudden it was cold. And I went into one of the bookstores and she literally like she couldn't even look me in the eye and just like threw the book. And it's like you're a bookstore, you're a bastion of thought and ideas. And this isn't like the communist manifesto, which I'm sure they love anyway, you know, but it's just odd to me where artists have fallen for it. They, well, their following for the Marxism indoctrination and they don't even see it. This is, this is what I'm getting at. Like, how can you not see this? Right. And it's okay. You know, mass psychosis is sheep and everyone goes in the same line. And here we are as independents, supposed to be independent thought. I don't know if anything will happen to wake people up except for all our rights being stripped away. Um, Canada, the United States, Australia, you know, the UK, it's, it's, it's happening. It's happening. And I, I don't know what revolution means, but maybe these are very exciting times because as more people find each other, it, it will be a different kind of tight knit community, which freedom, freedom lovers and freedom thinkers are usually made up of a lot of creatives anyway you know it's the creatives we want what we we want that give us poetry and a way to eloquently express what's happening in our times so i've i've resigned to a certain amount of loneliness at this point and I, I can feel my teaching practice is probably going to even have to change that, that I, I think for me, it's, it's embracing even more, um, the downloading that I do when I teach, which, which the more I take care of myself, the more it can be channeled and, and just, allow for the blossoming of, of the more spiritual truths that are in the kernels, because I've never been somebody who teaches politics and I've never been someone who paints politics. It just so happens that politics and spirituality and, and the saving of our soul are now intertwined. Are you vanity are intertwined. <laughs> Are you still welcome in the galleries where you used to show? Are you still welcome in the artist circles with whom you used to run? Oh, I'm I'm welcome, but it, but the 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 um, narrative is is boring. Yeah. What what am I supposed to talk about? I I can't sit around and listen to how they loved Hillary Clinton's CNN speech if it wasn't an interview. I mean, I can't listen to that and. And I don't need to go places and get all riled up if I'm not heard. I don't know. I don't have the uh, vernacular of, of the golden tongue to um, with the golden tongue to to change people's minds. 
I get so I get so I'm so passionate about this that that my ranting feels like a rant. And then I think, okay, you need to slow down. And what's one little thing you can tackle? Well, freedom of speech, period. End of story. My body, my choice. End of story. You know, and if people can't see that, then I don't know how to change their minds. I don't think I've changed anyone's mind. Um, well, how, are you, how are you dealing with it in well, present time in your presence? Well, I think I've been more actively rejected than it sounds like you have. Like I was banned for life from the Santa Fe reporter when I pitched, I was like, Hey, how about some alternate perspectives on this masking thing? How about, you know, I talk to David Scrace at New Mexico health and find out how they're generating their numbers. No, you're banned for life. We don't ever want to hear from you again. And then I think because I was so active and we do live in a small town, like I've, I've been at least here, um, actively rejected. And then from my LA writing community, because I wrote Plandemic 2 um, with Mickey, like that just had me, I'm just ghosted by most of those people. I'm not interested in what they're saying about me when I'm not around. It's none of my business. And if, you know, if I can be of service to their entertainment by being the villain in their stories, that's fine. You know, I have the 28th gene key. I'm good with that. But for me, it's been a lot more direct. Yeah. Well, you are someone who uses words and you're also an investigative reporter. So it is part of who you are. And uh, I'm an abstract painter. So these are abstract concepts, but I see it abstractly. And, and that's how I, that's how I talk. Like in order to, to move into evolution, we're going to need to embrace the real narrative. And so when I talk like that, they think I'm just kind of talking abstractly and then they just kind of do this to me. <laughs> right. How has it affected your like day-to-day -day studio process to no longer have the community that you had around you? Like, do you still have people around who are weighing in on your work? That's, That's been the saddest part. I have a couple and um, it's long distance. It's not even local. So we're doing it like through Zoom sessions. And basically I have one. I have one one artist friend who, who I can discuss the ideas that I have. That's pretty pathetic. I mean, I don't want to judge it, but I, I know what it's like to have... <laughs> lost those eyes and minds and perspectives, especially when like nothing happened. It wasn't like we had a fight or anyone said anything mean, you know, it's just this kind of like attrition of like, oh, all of a sudden there's no one to talk to anymore about my work or my yeah. process. Yeah. I mean, I, I can remember and I, I, <laughs> I, I now I'm censoring my own self. I don't put all these opinions out. I would write a little bit on, I can remember when Canada happened and I was just so infuriated with the truckers and what happened with that trucking scene. And I did some writing around that and I just got slammed. And it was mostly everyone from Portland, Oregon, artists, 
filmmakers, filmmakers and artists. And that's when I really saw it. And I just, yeah. It's interesting here in, cause we're both in Santa Fe and uh, we both came out here on our, our residencies. And one of my biggest issues with the Santa Fe art scene 10 years ago was um, there's no edge. It's just like pretty pictures of nature and nothing was pushing any envelopes. And I, in my mind, I thought it was very safe. Now, you know, I went to a thing at site, you know, the shows I see, everything's political, but it's the same cookie cutter person. It's, it, you know, and it's vitriolic and it's violent. And for me, it's very low vibe, but now they're all political in this one kind of scripted way. It is, it's like a script and it, and it, I'm all about raising vibration, mine included. So if I'm alone here painting and working on raising my vibration, then I'm doing my job for right now. Yeah. That's, that's all I, I can say. I've never been a fan of Site Santa Fe. It's just never been my thing or what we have called Meow Wolf. And um, yeah, I, I always did. I, I really was very proud of being part of like the hipster art scene of Portland, Oregon, all those years. And, and just, we were all comrades and, and then I was fine when my work kind of moved around and I, I, I didn't move here for the art scene. I mean, I moved here for the light and the beauty and, and it was just a calling and I don't know where artists would go anymore because I can't even imagine for my own self personally being in any kind of big city because it's so vile. It's just so vile. Yeah. It's There's like a mind virus going on. <laughs> I know. And in my mind, I fantasize about being other places where I have more like-minded people, but like you, I have this spiritual thing. So it's like, I can't go to Texas and talk about astrology and the gene keys the way that I, you know, like I'm really am an LA girl. Yeah, so I am too. I'm a California girl. <laughs> yeah. And I've been doing an astrology for years and, and, and now, but what I have noticed is people do want, they're hungry for, um, a spiritual quench that they they can understand themselves better because no matter how we look at it we're ascending anyway it's happening and and downloads you know if i'm downloading that's not all me i don't know where i mean it's probably years and years of spiritual study that's kind of been co cognitated that's not a word, the cognition of the brain. <laughs> it cognitated, you know, up in here, but really it's just coming from somewhere else. And that's how I paint as well. And people are craving it, but they're like, like I said, until, until they start realizing they're going to be controlled and we're going to be living under a regime of smart cities and, and, blocking off your bank accounts if they don't agree with what you're doing or saying hello we live in i was just talking to someone and they were they were trying to tell me you know that slogan make america great again did you know hitler started that and i'm like that's the shallowest thing i've ever heard in my life that is that is so shallow have you ever heard of 
controlling the media and what is being said and wasn't Hitler doing that? Oh, but if Trump wanted to, he would. And I'm like, okay, really? There, this is you and I, Danny. We could talk about it, but we also know it's not rational. This, like, people aren't using their their discernment and their critical thinking skills. Something has gone way wrong. And I don't know if five G kicked in and something else took in or. Or, see, I wanted I, a part of me wants to know how it happened and how to remedy it. Like, I really want to know. I mean, that's what I'm always doing with the language and have been doing for a while. And I did see it starting like the Trump derangement syndrome before 5G was officially implemented. But again, that's not to say that they weren't using those technologies in other ways. But I have spent so much time like hacking in like where are these mind viruses being loaded in? And I know it's through the language, but it's like, how? Like, why is the word Trump so polarizing? Why, when I say that word in front of certain people, does a, a switch flip and they go insane and there's no... Well, I've thought about this. If, we're, if, if we really are in a simulated universe, like if they, if we really have these computer different kind of downloads um, that are going on, then we're living in two separate universes. Is really what's happening, and and it, it's it's very real. And so you, it how to flip from one program to another program if you don't know you're in the program, you know, just just like the Matrix, right? Um, what was I saying at one point that you can't, you can't wake people up who, who are pretending to be asleep. Unpack that a little bit. So somewhere inside of them, they know there's another reality, but see, we don't want to die. Most people don't want to die. So to keep their security, to keep their sanity, to keep their comforts, don't change the narrative. Like I know I might have a feeling that yes, our government that is under democracy and we're not really in democracy and this beloved Obama and the democratic party. Oh my God, I'm going to get sick if it, it's actually, they're really doing that stuff. So I'm just going to pretend I'm asleep. Yeah. Even though they're doing it unconsciously. Yeah. It's not a conscious thing. I think that's why, and I'm thinking of, you know, a small handful of people who haven't had it out with me. I feel like there's just like, and I, and I feel like it's a shame, you know, like when I interviewed my journalism mentor and he did not make eye contact with me during our podcast and it was like, he can't, it felt like it was shame, you know, or like, my friend who I called on it and I'm like, why are we not talking? Like, why have you cut me out? Oh no, I'm just busy. It's fine. Like, I feel like there's a shame there of like, I can't look at what you're asking us to look at. So it's easier for me to just cut you out of my life. I'm making this up like that, you know, like I'm filling in the holes because of so many friends that have just gone silent. You know, I remember years ago listening to David Wilcock, and not not that many years ago, but I do remember him saying, I voted for Obama. And then I started waking up, you know, and when I first 
found out I had to go to the bathroom and throw up. Like when it really first hit me and I kind of had the same reaction. Yeah. Given that you're returning to Paul Levy's work, does he propose solutions for vanquishing Watiko? Well, it, the, the thing about it is it's, it has to do with creativity. That if we can really tap in and use our hands and, and, and use wherever this imaginary, it's like waking up from a dream time. He talks about if we're in the dream world and we don't know we're in the dream world, but we, if we were to actually start practicing lucid dreaming more, for instance, I'll use that as an example, that is one way to start waking up. So if I say to myself, I'm going to go to sleep tonight and I'm going to remember my dream. Okay. What are some clues to give myself? Well, and, and you're telling your consciousness this before you go to sleep. I'm going to look down and look at my hands. I'm going to jump three times and you wake up, you know, and you'll know that you're in a dream. And I can remember the first time I actually practiced this and it, I was having a dream. And in the dream, there was the guy doing the, 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 where I doing the rejection of me, like the same old sad story from years and years and years of conditioning and me feeling shame and like sleeking away. And in the dream, I remember I practiced that. And I said, you can't treat me like this. And I just went off on him in my dream. And I woke up and I'm like, oh, I snapped out of it. I snapped out of that dream state. So that's, you know, what Paul Levy's talking about is like all the psychosis is like all being asleep and we got to wake from the sleep. And so we got to give ourselves commands. We might not understand what the truth is, but just the allowance of saying to ourselves, tell me more and, but, but let me know that from divine guidance or, or, or whatever it is that is your, um, your belief system that I'm safe while I do it hmm. because we are safe up there. We might not be safe down here, but still we want to know that we have some form of safety. Cause uh, it's politically correct to, to get on the bandwagon of, of, of take your pick, you know, like black lives matter or, and the, my, here's been my thing that I say to people, follow the money, do more research, just follow the money. Thanks for tuning in to part one of my conversation with the lovely, brilliant Lauren Monticon. Part two is available for my paying supporters over on Locals as well as on Patreon. So take your pick, whichever uh, platform feels the most aligned for you or possibly both because abundance rocks. Um, either way, for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half conversations plus bonus content. Um, first dibs on courses, webinars, live events, you get special discounts. It's a value rich situation. So as you are 
stoked to tune in to part two of this conversation. Head on over to Locals, head on over to Patreon, links below. I'll see you there. Thanks so much for tuning in to this latest episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. I am reminding slash thanking you to and for (laughs) clicking that subscribe button for liking, for sharing, for commenting, and for leaving some kind words as a review as you are authentically inspired. As you are receiving any value from my podcast, as you dig it, as you listen regularly, consider supporting me on Patreon and or Locals, where for as little as $5 a month, you get access to all of my second half podcast interviews, as well as oodles of bonus content. Your support really goes a long way in supporting me as a journalist and an independent content creator navigate her way through a really crunchy time in terms of free speech. And as you are wanting to learn more about my work in the world, my books, my products, my quantum languaging, coaching, and consulting, you can find me at dannycats.com as well as quantumlanguaging.com. And if you're not down with a membership patronage platform and want to send me one-time donation, You can use the Bitcoin link if it actually appears on your podcast listening platform. You could also send me a one-time donation by way of PayPal at dannycats at pm.me or by way of Venmo where my username is Sadie Bloom. Again, your support means the world and makes a massive, massive difference when it comes to continuing to share this work with the world. Thank you for sharing your sacred attention with me. Thank you for remembering that you are omniscopic amazingness and for having a rockin' day. See you next time, superstars.